everyone who checked out the Halloween special last week and uh, we all thought it was really cool that all three of us got together and were able to to talk and uh, it was it was a lot of great fun I thought what do you think Jeff yeah I agree uh, it was great to, to meet Mike the other Mike finally I have to learn because I'm sure we're gonna do that again oh yeah. I have to come up with like a word <laughs> for him different names like Mike S <laughs> Because it'd be like, so Mike, what are you thinking? You guys we kind of maybe answer. both start talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, other than that, I had a great time. I wasn't really feeling well when the podcast started. And I was in like, I felt a lot better when, when it was over. I took my mind off shit and uh, I started to physically feel better. I'm glad we were and, able to do uh, that, man. I'm glad, glad that yeah, you know, help. You know. <laughs> the positive power of uh, the Zoom podcast. Um, everyone had great picks. You really hit us with an obscure one, and in, in blood, I, I immediately went to like look to see if it was anywhere online, and I, I, I couldn't find it anywhere. So it's going to be one of those things I have to buy a physical copy of. I think. Yeah, and even physical copies are kind of hard to come by because um, you know, as you can imagine, there's a million movies out there named Blood, and uh, finding the right one. <laughs> and I, I honestly think that there's only bootlegs available at this point. Yeah, I think you're right. It's kind of weird how some movies just fade into obscurity. Like, um, I just watched this Boston crime drama called uh, City on a Hill. Have you heard about it? No. Oh, well, it's really good. You know, it's your typical Boston crime thing spread out over 10 episodes. But it got me thinking about Boston crime movies. And that movie Monument Ave came up. And I love that movie. But it doesn't seem to exist anywhere. And if you want a physical copy of it, it's like 50 bucks. And uh, it's like a shitty old DVD that's not even formatted for you know, widescreen TVs. So it's just funny. That was a major release from a, you know, uh, a, a named director. And it's just kind of faded into obscurity. Have you ever seen it? I haven't, man. I, I know the... F- Actually, you know what? Let me, let me hold. I, I don't know if I've seen that or not. It sounds familiar. And it's definitely... Is it something that came out in the 90s? Yeah, with Dennis Leary, he's a car thief, oh, and yeah. uh, <laughs> Greg Dooley from the Afghan Wigs is like oh, the, no, no. the henchman of the crime boss. <laughs> no, I, I definitely didn't see it. I would have remembered if Greg Dooley was in it. But it sounds great, man. It sounds like something right up my alley. Yeah, Boston crime is amongst my favorite uh, genre. Um, but yeah, yeah it, it just got me thinking how that, that's just strange how a movie can just disappear like that. You know, um, for a while, uh, it was hard to find the Affliction by Abel Ferrara, but that that's been re that's been you know it's got a Blu-ray release now. And um, yeah, or like that movie Possession from yes. the '80s with Sam Neill, yeah. great movie. But that was really I remember I paid like eighty bucks for my copy. Damn. Dude. And then like a year later, it comes out on like you know Blue Underground or something. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. There's, I I think there's a there's another movie by Abel Ferrara called The Blackout, which I. I think I tried to find that a couple months ago or a year ago, and I couldn't find anything. I was like curious if there was a Blu-ray release of that, and uh, I think mm. that movie is like languishing in obscurity somewhere. I have um, a DVD copy of that because uh, back when I lived in Brooklyn in Greenpoint, there was this excellent video store there called Photoplay, and uh, mm. one of some of my favorite memories of living there revolve around going into that store. And this this guy Michael, who was the um, owner, like he just he he never actually like he had really cool people working there. He had a nice big space. He had it was set up like a record store where you like look through these bins, and there was like the flats with the the, the movie like you know um, on it. Right. And then you would bring yeah. that up, and they would give you the DVD. So it was you were able to really pack in a lot of a lot of like selections, you know, and. Um, yeah, I, I bought it from him when he when he when they closed. They had the they had the blackout there because I was like working through like 
you know, all these, like, I was, at the time I was watching movies like you know, Claire Denis did and, uh, you know, Abel Ferrara's movies, who I've always been a big fan of his, but I hadn't actually seen some of his movies outside of, like, Driller Killer, Bad Lieutenant, King of New York, you know, Miss 45. I was going into, like, the more obscure territory with him, and uh, the black, he, re- Michael recommended The Blackout. And I was like, mm. one of the, I'm so fortunate to have a copy of that, and it's, like, hands down, like, one of the most intense movies I've ever seen, man. He's an intense filmmaker. Didn't he do a version of The Body Snatchers? Yes. Yep. I, I didn't see it. Is it any good? It was all right. You know, not not his best yeah. work, but, you know, that that's a weird genre, I think, for him to, to get involved with. Yeah, another movie I remember his is The, the Funeral with Vincent Gallo. Yep. Yeah, that was a pretty good one. That's a good one. Yeah, you know, Vincent Gallo, a real screen treasure, that guy. I, I um I actually quite like Vincent Gallo. I, I like no, I do too. He just he comes off like a real asshole. That's okay. Yeah, it's fine. You know, it's part of his charm, I guess. Also, you got to you got to you know imagine the world that guy operates in too. You know. Yeah, sure. And I mean, you, you no, you're, interesting guy. You know, you're you're um you rub you have rubbed shoulders with way more famous people than I have. So um. I can imagine. Have I? I think so. Yeah. Like I'm not. I don't have access to the same level of celebrity that you do. You know, in your well, life, you know, in, no. in your lifetime. You know what I mean? And big uh, mover and shaker out here in Hollywood, man. You know how yeah. I roll. You know, I I just I'm a little I'm a little little person out here in New Jersey. So, but, <laughs> but hey, I've I've seen a lot of famous people. I haven't actually talked to ninety nine percent of them. <laughs> But uh, I, the know, only famous person I ever approached was David Cronenberg, and I went and shook his hand. I was like, "I'm a huge fan. Thanks." And he was like, "Okay, thanks." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Well, that was that." <laughs> but all right, well, at least just being in Hollywood, right? You can imagine that there's a lot of cunty people in that world, right? Sure. And and like you get a guy like like uh, you know Vincent Gallo it was probably like that probably brought the worst out in him. I know if I was like you know famous actor or filmmaker i know i would be a dick because i would have to be around people like that it would bring the worst out of me you know i mean that's all i'm saying i'm sure i mean i definitely i'm projecting all this stuff onto vincent gallo because i like him you know but uh <laughs> yeah well i'll put it out there mike vincent gallo if you're listening come on the podcast we'd love to have you <laughs> Dude, yeah <laughs> um <laughs> Talented guy, though you got to admit, man, he's like a, a a tour de force. You know, artist, musician, filmmaker, actor. You know, he does it all. Yeah, you know, does it all he, pretty well. He came up in the New York breakdancing scene too, I believe. Oh yeah, like well, yeah. he was like one of the original like white b boys. Uh, he went under the name Prince Vince. <laughs> originally, he's so from he's been in that York. art world a long time. Yeah, yeah. Or, originally he's from like Buffalo or something like that, I think. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, that's right. He did that movie, Buffalo '66. Yeah, well, there you go. You know, yeah, yeah. that that's from All a right. different time, man. That's like a historical period at this point that most people don't even can't even relate to. Is that late '70s, early '80s, New York City kind of thing? You know. Yeah, it's a, a little bit before my time too. It's a lifetime ago for a lot of people right now. So, sure. Anyway, so tonight's episode. You, we're going to discuss uh, the excellent movie The Lodge, which came out last year. And um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, The Lodge, 2019, psychological horror, directed by Veronica Franz and Severin Fiala. That's the same team that brought us uh, Goodnight Mommy, a movie that both of you and I have seen. Yeah, and it's a great movie. And this is like a perfect companion to that movie. It has a lot of the same feel of like tension and dread and like every single shot in the lodge i felt that it it just felt cold and filled with uncertainty and and unhappiness you know what i mean totally and it's like a trademark uh, of theirs it was also written by franz and fiala along with sergio caski so uh you know the, the franz fiala group are in this thing from the beginning to the end you know they're fully involved in this movie yeah small cast which adds to the claustrophobic vibe of the movie we have uh riley keogh as grace marshall jaden martell as aiden hall jaden martell was also in in it 
Oh, that's where I recognize him yeah. from. Young, young man, young, young actor. That was uh, Leo McHugh as his sister, Mia Hall. Richard Armitage as their father, Richard Hall. And I didn't even recognize her, but Alicia Silverstone as Laura Hall. Oh, you didn't? No, wow. I didn't, I didn't know that was her. I didn't, you know, I didn't. I mean, nothing against Alicia Silverstone, but she's just, just a rant to me, like a generic, like blonde lady. So I never. You know, she was like a, uh, like, wasn't she like about to be like this breakout big star in the 90s? And then she just kind of, kind of faded away, like kind of quit acting. Yeah, I, I, in my mind, she was a kind of a big star because she was in a ton of movies throughout the 90s. Yeah, she was in that abysmal Batman and Robin and uh, Clueless. Yeah. And she was in some movie where that Godflesh is in. Really? It's called like Hideaway. Yeah, it's called Hideaway or something. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, I remember Justin going into detail about like the, the filming of that scene and, and meeting Alicia Silverstone and everything. Wow. It was, uh, it was a good story, yeah. Uh, I know I recognize her right away because I was like, oh, wow, I haven't seen her in a while. She's, oh, oh, she's not in the movie anymore. <laughs> uh, just a couple, little, a couple more details here before we get into the actual discussion sure. of the film. We got uh, premiered at the Sundance Film Festival uh, January 25th, 2019. Uh, Neon acquired it and was all set for a U.S. release on November 15th, 2019. But the release in the States got delayed to February 7th. 2020 and the release was limited to some select theaters in LA and New York and now it's available like uh, streaming on various you know outlets mm. yeah so um yeah this is probably one of my favorite movies that I've seen in the last like five years actually and uh, it was better I even li I liked it even more the second time I watched it yeah, I, I did too, because you could look look for uh, different things in the movie. Like, the first time I watched it, like I said, Alicia Silverstone, yeah, kind of a big big name at, at one point, and early in the film, she, she, she dies. And, you know, I didn't really know too much about this movie going into it. I was like, oh, is she going to be a ghost or something? Is she going to show up later? Does she haunt the lodge? Like, this movie really doesn't go where you think it's going to go. No, not at all. And I got to be honest, the first time I saw the movie, I didn't even really know what the hell was going on in most of it. You know what I mean? It took me like a lot of contemplation and a second viewing to fully understand the plot of the movie. You know, yeah, no, no, me too. There's, there's a lot of phantom stuff that goes on in this film. So, Yeah, absolutely. And again, a lot like their, their previous film, Good Night, Mommy. Exactly. I was. That's an excellent uh, analogy there. Also, there and, this, and, this, this movie also had, um, like, for me personally, there were strains of like The Shining in this film too. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Well, again, like I thought maybe this was going to be some sort of haunted lodge type of thing, but it ended up being something far more psychological. Again, like Good Night, Mommy. I think these directors do not like children. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Too. Or, or, or have a healthy fear of them. And, uh, you know, as we get into it, in this movie, we'll, we'll find out why. Yeah. So the, the movie uh, starts off with um, Alicia Silverstone's character, Laura. She, go, she goes to meet up with her, I'm, I'm going to say ex-husband at that point, Richard. And... Uh, you know, he looks like a successful guy. He's got this like pretty sweet like uh, you know house, but this is the one thing that really got got to me about him was mm. when uh, when she shows up, he offers her coffee, and she's like, "Oh yeah, I'll, you know, some coffee." And he's like, "Is instant okay?" And I'm like, <laughs> "That's what bugged you about him." <laughs> what kind of fucking asshole has offers someone instant coffee? You know well, what I'm trying to say, man? Um, like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe she likes it they were married a long time yeah you know the guy's got yeah, this like yeah. like swank you know spot that he lives in it's all like architecturally designed and he's probably into the finer things and even if you yourself don't drink coffee 
And if you're going to invite someone to your house, you have something like that. If you have any class at all, you should have some sort of quality thing to offer somebody as a guest. So right away, I didn't like mm. this guy because of that. Uh, there, well, I'm going to talk, bring this up a little bit later, but this guy's probably the worst dad ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, totally, dude. But it's interesting. I didn't think they were uh, divorced yet. I think they were separated. Because she shows up and she says, I have to tell you something. But she never, or I have to talk to you about something. She never gets to talk to him about what she came to talk to him about. He's like, I have some, some news for you, too. I, I, I want to finalize the divorce. Uh, Grace and I are getting married. And you can see this hits her like a, a ton of bricks. Yeah. And, and, and like. Now, now the background between him and Grace is that uh, this guy was researching um, you know, you know, some Christian, extreme Christian cults. And that's where he actually met Grace. So, you know, Grace is a little bit younger, you know, uh, and uh, troubled because she was grew up as part of this cult. And um, so there's that, which I think is kind of a testament to his character a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to marry this girl who's like damaged. She's got emotional problems, you know. I mean, the age thing is like, you know, whatever. But you can see that that probably bothered his wife, you know, that she's like this younger woman. And, uh, and there's a little bit of a predatory nature, I think, with the relationship of how, you know, he... Like I said, emotionally fragile young lady, and he, you know, probably comes off as like this older guy with some sort of like, uh, you know, like solace for her, you know. Yeah, it makes you. Did he leave his wife because of her, or was there problems in the marriage? And then, and then they met. It's all kind of kept very vague. And it's in that scene we get our first glimpse of Grace. And I don't know if you notice it, but Grace is sort of like a phantom in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Like, you, like you look, she, Alicia Silverstone's character looks out the window and sees like the back of her head. It almost looks like she's gliding instead of walking. It's a really creepy shot. Hmm, okay. And yeah. you see like a, a shadow of her here and there in the first 20 minutes. I was like, well, where's this going? Are we not going to see Grace the whole movie? Like, it, it was... It was just a very interesting uh, way to introduce the character that you don't see her face until she gets in the car with the kids. That seemed intentional to me, although I'm not really sure what they were trying to say. Well, I think that it obviously was intentional too, but, but there, there is a, um, like the, the sort of per, you know, underlying theme throughout this movie is not knowing what the hell is real and what's not, really. Yeah, you know, that, that's absolutely. Like, I, I think the term is gaslighting. Like That's like a big component of the narrative of this film and uh no i agree with that yeah so uh um of course uh you know laura takes this very badly but she takes it way worse than i even thought the first time around she like fucking blows her brains out as a result of this it thing. was completely shocking i i was not expecting that at all it was so uh <coughs> so jarring it was so abrupt and then unexpected yeah yeah, she just sits down, she's got a glass of wine, pulls out a gun and shoots herself. And I was like, damn, we're, we're in a different yeah. place now. This is like, it's on, you know? I, I, always, I wonder, I was like, where the fuck did she get that? It was like a Glock or something. <laughs> <laughs> I always get hung up on weird details like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. She doesn't um, seem like the kind of person that would have a, have a, a firearm, you know? Yeah. And it shows her tidying things up before she, she kills herself. I thought that was a, an interesting touch. You don't really get to know much about this character. You just kind of have to go on the vague assumptions of, of who she was. I mean, when, the next scene, I think, is a funeral. And, you know, the dad doesn't seem too upset. And the kids, I mean, are, are, are clearly devastated. And I should point out that, that like, the girl who played the daughter... Leah McHugh and, and the guy who played the son, Jaden Martell. I mean, kid actors nine out of ten times, they're not very good. But these two are great. And especially the little girl in that scene, like bawling her eyes out. It was tough for me to watch. I agree. And that I think that kind of typifies uh, a lot of the you know, the this the other film too, you know, Goodnight Mommy. There's like a lot of very uncomfortable, hard to watch scenes that have to do with kids, you know? 
and yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like a, there's like a thematic thing going on with them in this uh, in these two films, I think. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you also in that crying scene, you you learn that the daughter is re- very religious, and it doesn't seem like it came from the parents, but she's bawling. She's saying, "Mommy can't get into heaven," and uh, it's very upsetting. But it introdu- introduces an interesting character uh, quirk that, that she's deeply religious at like. Not, not, seven, eight years old. Yeah, that kind of stuff always fascinates me because um, I mean I don't know about you, but I I grew up as a Roman Catholic, and uh, you know yeah. all, all that shit is like front and center in this movie. Yeah, totally. I uh, you know I I was raised that way too. First confession and catechism, yep. or whatever it's called, Sunday school. So, yeah, and uh, in the third grade, my father was like, "Do you want to do this?" And I said, "No." He's like, "All right, you don't have to." Uh, I guess I don't think he's a believer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that, but yeah, but yes. So uh, I'm familiar with a, a, a lot of that stuff. Yeah, any any kind of movie, or, or or more recently, some of the um, I don't know, just that the Catholic religion always because it is very um, it's it's like in some ways the Catholic religion is like very pagan. You know, there's like idols and you know like. There's like iconography that's a big part of it, which is not consistent with like Protestant religions. You know what I mean? Like they're more right. like, uh, like they think that, you know, I remember one time a, a Protestant was like, oh, the Catholics, they're not even really Christians. You know, that's like kind of like their viewpoint on it. They think it Catholics are, are worshiping like uh, false idols and things like that. So that kind of aspect to it, uh, that religion is always very interesting to me. You know, and and this movie, like I said, really digs deep into that because a- after the um the episode where the the young girl the the uh, daughter is uh, crying about how her mother's can't go to heaven anymore because she killed herself, we jump six months down the line, and the father is saying that uh, okay, we're gonna spend Christmas with um <laughs> my brand new bride, <laughs> uh, Grace. Although the- they're not married yet. They they pushed. They were going to get married in September. He told Alicia Silverstone. It's now November. Yeah. And he sits down to what I looked like the saddest Thanksgiving ever. Yeah. I I think that's what they were. That whole scene was just depressing. Yeah. And he hatches this plan. Like, I know you're still grieving over your mom, but hey, I want you to bond with my new girlfriend. You don't really know. And that. <laughs> right. It was. Like I said earlier, this guy's got to be the worst dad ever because he takes him to the lodge and he leaves them there with this girl that they don't really know and well, they definitely don't like. Well, I, I also got the sense that, um, you know, that the, the details probably weren't shared with the kids too much about, you know, how the mother killed herself or what the conversation was like right before she did that. But I think they blame though. They clearly, clearly they blame, they blame grace for the mother's suicide. You know? Yeah, I, th- I thought so too. Yeah, so there's all this animosity and, and hatred and all this other stuff with um, you know that the, the kids are expressing towards her. Yeah, it's like you, you, the car ride up is probably really uncomfortable, and they treat Grace with like basically like hostility throughout the entire movie. Yeah. So again, was- um, yeah. Well, well, would you? Would you ever, and like, I, I raised a kid, uh, I would never in my fucking right mind leave them with someone in, in that state. It was such a, a weird, de- and the weird decision. And, you know, he stays one night with them at the lodge and then takes the car and goes back. So basically, they're there. They don't have a car. They're, they're, <laughs> they're stranded. I was like, I, I don't get, oh, and he, he teaches her how to use a gun. There's that interesting yeah. scene with, um, with him and Grace. Like, oh, before I go, there's a gun. Okay, everyone in the audience remember there's a gun. <laughs> um, and he shows her how to shoot, but it's clear to me anyway, I thought that she had had some experience with, with, with handguns because she just fucking, you know, shoots that tree up like a pro. Yeah, no, I, I, I figured that too. And also... Uh, you know, we learned that, that she was part of this cult, so, you know, they probably were, uh, you know, there's probably some gunplay because there was an extremist, you know, cult. So I'm sure they, she's familiar right. with weapons and all this kind of stuff. 
So let's talk about that for a minute. And before they do go to the lodge, I forgot, the kids go into their dad's office and are snooping around and they find a video of Grace's uh, days in the cult. Yeah. And it's a pretty disturbing video, especially if you were a kid and saw something like that. We see uh, someone is videotaping people with the sin is uh, written on duct tape that's over their mouths and she's videotaping going down the line of all these dead bodies. So it's just her, right? Yeah. She's the only survivor. Right. So it makes you wonder, did she have a role in murdering these people? Did she assist their suicide? It's kind of vague. Yeah. I I think, uh, you know, I kind of ran with this idea and, um, so yeah, there's this kind of like Jim Jones thing going on. This like, this guy's a prophet or whatever. And like, I think she was intentionally left alive and, and this, there's no reason to believe this is even what's going on, but my mind kind of ran with this, that there's, they were actually one of these kind of, you know, Christian apocalypse, like doomsday cults, you know, and mm-hmm. she was left alive to kind of carry out the mission of like bringing about the apocalypse or something. You know what I mean? That was like, that was kind of the vibe I got from the whole thing, even though like there was no real indication that that's was even part of the storyline. Yeah. Like I, I was going, I was like thinking like she, she assisted in, in, in killing these people. That's why she was, left alive and then didn't follow through with killing herself. I kind of went that way with it, which made me question the father even more. Like what did he see in her? Yeah. And I haven't seen that video again. Why would you leave your kids alone with this person? It was uh, very baffling. Like I did not like the father no, at all. Definitely not. He did a lot of questionable shit, and there was like a, a complete lapse in judgment with any of his decision making, <laughs> like it, with his kids and this lady, and you know. And, and she's, you know, they also indicate that she's on medication, and um, you know, so he's only known her for less than a year, it seems like, too, you know. And um, yeah, I, I didn't get his timeline since the timeline for that, but that that seems about right. Yeah, and uh, you know the. To, to not have the kids in a supervised manner bond with this woman and then just be like, all right, throw them into the deep end of the pool, you know, and, and not even, and, and you get the sense that he didn't even really discuss their feelings about anything either, you know, like the reconciling of the mother's super, uh, the mother's super, the mother's suicide. There you go. And also, you know, introducing this like new element into their family and how they feel about that. You know, there, there wasn't, he just forced this whole situation on them, you know? Right. Like, yeah, he, he like really, he, when he mentions this, the kids are like, this is a really bad idea, but they go along with it anyway. You see, like, they really just don't want to disappoint him. Yeah. And yeah, maybe he's this dominating figure. Like you mentioned before, Grace is on medication, but she's hiding it from him. Yeah. And, uh, and so once he leaves, I wondered if that was. So oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, once once he actually he leaves to go back to uh, to do work in the city. Okay, so this is when shit starts getting really weird between the the um, the kids and Grace, and the movie takes on this kind of surreal tone because uh, the, uh, you know the first time you watch this, I wasn't quite sure what was actually going on. I thought that maybe there was like, a, you know, some sort of. Um, you know, time warp or something, or that they were existing in a different dimension, or uh, that they were in purgatory, or something. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Yeah, there was a lot of things that that like. Yeah, when when he leaves, he, I wasn't sure what was going on the first time I saw it either. But it's clear, like the attention is 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 speeding up between her and the kids. Like like you know, she uh, the girl has a doll of her mother, and that seems to make grace really uncomfortable and there's all this christian iconography around the house that seems to make her uncomfortable and you know they're watching this thing and it's clear she doesn't like it yeah. and i think you know it's like the slow picking the slow unraveling of this character and the kids must be picking up on it yeah because ultimately what they start doing is is um they start gaslighting her basically you know they set the the date on uh, the clock ahead to like January 9th or something like that. Um, right. You know, they, they hide her, uh, her medication, which is a 
kind of a fucked up thing to do with somebody who's actually on medication. You know, they tell Yeah, me, like, and they, they, they don't, it's not like a slow burn either. It's just they're watching the thing. They have the gas uh, heater in, in, the, uh, in the living room, and then she wakes up and everything's gone. So right. it wasn't like this, oh, my medication's missing. Oh, this is missing. Just everything in the house is gone. And then there's uh, the dream that they claim they have about, um, you know, how they died of, of, uh, of uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and, <laughs> and that they're actually dead and they're existing in this purgatory. And, uh, and, that, and part of me was like, man, maybe they really did fucking die. Like the first time I saw this movie, you know? Yeah, because I was like, what's going on? There's all these, like, like things, like, like, like if this is, like, she goes, she treks out, and she's like, I can't accept that we're dead. I don't feel dead. And she treks out, and she goes to a house. And the house, to me, looked more like a hallucination. She sees a father in it. The house is shaped like a cross. Right. I mean, how many houses have you come across that look like that? None. So I, thought, I was like, this seems like some sort of, you know, other dimension sort of thing. And then she ends up back at the lodge. Like she travels, like, like, you know, a typical ghost thing. Like you're dead. You can never really leave here. You'll always end up back here. Right. And that, that's what made me believe that they actually were in some weird netherworld. But what really was happening was that she was coming off of medication withdrawals and like whatever, whatever uh, chemical imbalance she had that the medication was addressing was starting to take hold and she was starting to slip away into this psychosis, you know? Right. Exactly. And which makes what the kids were doing all that much more sinister. Yeah. One, one of the Wait. most uh, jarring things is when, um, when uh, Aiden is like, we can't die and he fucking goes to hang himself. <laughs> and he's like, see, yeah. we can't die. And that's what put me in this thing of like, fuck, what the hell's going on in this movie, you know? It, me too, and I'll say a little bit that, like, I mean, uh, I still love the movie, but it did, like, kind of like, it was like, how do these kids hatch this kind of plan and execute it? Like, it's almost, like, twisting your mustache evil, you know, and these kids are, like, yeah. you know, not, are like, seven and 12. Like, they obviously plan this out really, really well, and... You know, things just, like, worked out in her favor. Like, you know, she just circled back to the house by accident, you know? And when she circles back, yeah, like, they show them the newspaper that they're dead and the photo of the two kids, and it's in, like, an in-memoriam frame. How do they do that? Well, that, that's what I was going to bring. I was going to bring that up now, actually, was, like, okay. that, that, I was, like, how the fuck do you come up with something like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, and I guess, like, when, the second time I watched this movie, I thought I had it figured out, okay? I thought that, like, all right, well, I mean, you know, whatever. I'm kind of jumping ahead right now, but I'm like, okay, these kids were fucking around with this, this woman. They stay, hit her medication. They were trying to drive her crazy. They come clean at the, eventually and say, hey, you know, I'm sorry. We were, you know, playing around with you. We were prank, excuse me, pranking you. But at that point, it's too late. Like, she's already believes that you know there 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 is they are in purgatory and um they have to repent for their sins and all this stuff but then things like that like the photograph in, in memoriam it's like you know i'm like maybe they they actually did die i don't know you know what i'm trying to say it kind of throws doubt on the concept that oh well this is just like they're playing around and it went too far you know what i mean and like there right. is yeah, still, yeah no exactly there is still some kernel that makes that I'm I'm not 100% convinced that they actually all weren't dead you know what i mean yeah because it seemed unbelievable they would have had to uh print that before they went to the lodge unless they somehow did it secretly there i don't know how they would do that also they play her father's sermons on hidden speakers in the house right um to, to help, you know, drive her crazy. That is, like, next-level planning kind of shit. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the, the, how do they get a hold of that? Like, I guess they must have snuck back into their dad's office, but, like, leaving hidden speakers around the house, it seems sinister 
in a way that a 12 year old and you know a seven eight year old wouldn't be i agree and that's it's that's, a bit of a stretch and that's kind of like the photograph thing is what made me think about the shining you know what i mean like where there's that picture of uh-huh. jack, jack torrance and he's in this photograph from like the 30s or something like that and yeah i you know like like i said there's still this doubt in my mind that they actually were all dead you know yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm there with you because what, what really sets her off is when she finds her dog dead, frozen to death. And that, that's when the little girl breaks down and says, it's my fault and starts crying. She left the door open right. and we've just been playing all along. But I'm with you. I was still very confused. That the, I was like, this, there's something else going on if they're not dead. It can't just be the kids are playing little pranks on them. Well, even even um, the idea that they died of asphyxiation from the carbon monoxide, like even when when they had the uh, the, the the oil heater, I, the first thing I thought was like, "What the fuck are you guys doing with this oil heater in the house, with no no <laughs> venting, no way of venting it?" You know, I mean, you're just gonna fill the house up with carbon monoxide. Yeah, I thought that was really odd too, and you know, again, I guess it was part of their plan because even Grace. Uh, says, "Hey, is this safe?" And uh, well, actually, it was, I guess, part part of the sinister plan. <laughs> I, let, let me ask you this question because I don't remember if the, what actually happened. Did they actually sleep with the with the burner going all night? It's never it's never shown. It, 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 she it shows them watching the movie. She uh, no, you know addresses the heater. Then she has. A nightmare and then she wakes up and everything's gone and the kids say well you were walking around all night making all kinds of noise which again i guess they were just gaslighting her making her think uh, she can't trust her own thoughts right because if if you did have a gas burning appliance or you know it's probably like you know kerosene or some sort of fuel oil appliance burning all night without any way of venting the, the gas you know, the, the, the combustion products, you would asphyxiate. You would die. Like that's, if you're in an mm. enclosed building like that, you need to get rid of all that stuff that has to go outside, you know? Mm. So that, that's kind of like, I, the first time I saw it, and even the second time I saw the movie, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, this is the moment when they die, you know? Mm, yeah. The only thing but- that makes me think that they didn't die because even even the fact that they were saying oh no no we were just playing a prank on you that doesn't necessarily mean that they they're not all dead you know what i mean like that doesn't necessarily mean that they are that it was a prank either you know maybe i definitely got the sense that though like they the kids realized that they went way way too far and now they're scared of grace yeah totally rightly so because she's like not on her medication She's uh, at the very, very least emotionally damaged from her life with the uh, with the cult, you know. And uh, she's unhinged, and she believes that they're they have to like uh, you know um, make up for their sins, and and I guess towards the end when the the thing that makes that actually does kind of ground this in reality is when the father shows up. Yeah, exactly. But up until then, you're still wondering, like, what exactly is going on? You know, she's fully snapped, Grace has, and she's, like, burning herself, kneeling in front of the fireplace. Like, she's just, reality, as she knows it, is is gone. And the kids are cowering up in the attic. And uh, don't we learn that the daughter was secretly, secretly communicating with her dad? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that they actually. But then, right, one of the phones actually wasn't dead. Because right. She, she walks and, in on her, and she's like, "Oh no, I was just playing." Right, and you know the dad shows the scene of the dad packing up and leaving. He can't get a hold of his daughter. Doesn't seem that upset about that. <laughs> uh, you know, he's not thinking. Oh my God, I left my kids, my sinister, evil kids alone with a lunatic. <laughs> yeah. That that moment hasn't hit him yet, but 
it hits him almost instantly when he gets when he gets to the lodge. At this point, Rose is chasing the kids around. She has the gun that we uh, was referenced earlier, and she fully believes now that she can't die because she's already dead. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he shows up on the sta- on the stairs. She's got the gun and his two terrified kids in front of him. And she puts the gun. I think at this point, when she put the gun to her head, I was like, she's going to blow her brains out and movies over, but it doesn't, the gun doesn't go off. Uh, then she points it at him, shoots and kills him in front of the children. And the children are completely dismayed. I think because they know they caused all this. This is all their fault. Well, not really. I think it's all the dad's fault. Yeah, it's the dad's fault, for sure, for not having better fucking judgment, really, you know? Right. Like, basically, the whole movie is his fault because this guy, has, yeah, terrible judgment, doesn't really care about other, other people's feelings, and it led to this. Now, let, um, me, let me throw another thing out there, okay? Sure. All right. She has, a, she has a handgun. She goes to shoot herself in the head, and it doesn't work, right? She points the gun at, at the father, Richard, and kills him, right? Mm. That's another thing that kind of points in the, that they, they're actually dead already, in my opinion. I'm just throwing this out there because I don't really – I don't have um, a real explanation for any of these things, but it's like – I'm collecting these little tidbits from the movie that makes me believe that they actually died. Hmm. See, I didn't get because if they were dead and he was still alive, they wouldn't have be interacting. Right? right? I mean, like I said, I don't have an explanation. I'm just picking up on these things, you know? Like, the fact yeah. that she wasn't able to, to, to shoot herself. But it was a revolver pistol. One the, that chamber could have been been empty. Okay. Okay. See. Like how you know, like how people play Russian roulette. Right. Okay. You know how people do that. You know. I mean, I don't know. I've never played Russian roulette before, but I've seen it in like the Deer Hunter and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Okay. For the record, I've yeah. never done it either. Yeah. <laughs> um, that sets up like, and again, you know, like it's good to have questions at the end of this movie because it really. You get an idea of what happened, but it doesn't show you what happened. And that makes the ending one of the more horroring, uh, horroring, goddamn, I can't talk today. It's one of the most upsetting endings, harrowing. Yeah. It's one of, it's one of those words I have a hard time pronouncing. Like some people can't say brewery. Um, so yeah, they're at the table. The dead father is propped up on a chair. It was one of the only, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it was almost kind of comical to me. See, like, this, like, grotesque, bloody, dead body propped up in a chair with the two whimpering. Just that one moment let out a, like, a brief little, like, <laughs> like, like, chuckle when I was watching it the second time with, with my girlfriend. We both thought that moment was just grotesquely funny. Huh, Okay. <laughs> but I what follows this? Uh, I didn't think that, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, yeah, maybe yeah. it reminded me of the scene in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, oh, yeah. another grotesque mm-hmm. dinner sort of, uh, you know, scene. Uh, yeah, so Grace is singing. We see the kids. They're crying. They know they're going to die. And Aiden holds his sister's hand, tells her it's going to be okay. He's kind of comforting her in her last moment. And then she starts to sing along with Grace. And then she puts the duct tape over the mouth with sin written on it. Yeah. And, and that's it. That's where the movie ends. And you know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it's a, a really horrible thought. Like, these, what a short, horrible life these kids had. Yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a dark ending to a pretty bleak movie really you know yeah very bleak and again a lot like good good night mommy has a very unsettling bleak ending and i I felt chills in my body when i first saw 
Goodnight Mommy. And I got those same chills when I saw this at the end. Like, oh, man. This was just a brutal, grim movie. Yeah, it, you know, and it, it's like this kind of, um, you know, moral passion play in some ways, too. You know? It's like, okay, you have consequences for all of your fucking actions in life. You know, I think that's kind of like the takeaway from the movie. You know? Yeah, yeah, and kids are evil. Um, <laughs> and well, these, but, these but, directors don't like kids. Right, but there's also um, a, a reason, though. I mean, yeah, kids are evil. They, they're learning, they're forming, especially at that age, they're still, you know, forming their the right from wrong, you know, and look at their look at their role models, their dad. You know, right. Who has yeah. du- dubious morality, in my opinion, you know? That's what makes it like the, to accept what they did that much harder because it didn't seem like bad kids. It seemed like nice kids who were grieving, and it, that just like made their their evil plans like a little bit hard for me to buy. Well, the only reason why I buy it is like uh, you know their 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 dad is kind of a scumbag, and the they definitely blame Grace for her mother killing herself, and. The example that he may have set with them in their life and some of their decision-making and some of their judgment and things like that, that's the only reason why I think, like, they, they were, um, they fell prey to this, like, evil, you know, because their father, like, mm. was morally dubious, in my opinion, you know, it's like, I mean, just the fact of the matter, it's like, I mean, a guy who who is a little bit more centered, I don't think would would, like, He's studying, he's researching this extremist, religion, you know, Christian cult. He meets this girl mm-hmm. who is like a, the, the sole survivor of this like Jim Jones-esque mass murder, right? <laughs> and like a normal guy wouldn't be like, oh, this is, you know, she's kind of hot. Let me like, uh, you know, like prey on her, you know? Like that's right. not, I don't yeah, think that's a normal trajectory with a regular, with an actual legit, stand-up guy wouldn't do something like that you know what i mean i think that he would be like this she's obviously uh you know she's got some emotional baggage to say the least um she has mm. to go into some sort of program of, you know figuring all this out man i and then just the fact that she was like the survivor of this like mass murder i would never unleash her on my kids you know and yeah, and getting involved with your subject is is, is a big no no. Yeah, that's like <laughs> um, a big a big well, line that he crossed, right? So, and I guess that's what I'm saying. It's like he has children, and what kind of example is he setting with them? So that's why I think that they're. I'm not saying they were bad kids, but they might have had that moral, like sort of vagueness that he had by observing how he lives his life, and that might have enabled them to start doing all this like fucked up you know, gaslighting and stuff like that. That's an interesting point. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. an idea. Yeah, totally. I, uh, I can see that. I mean, their relationship is, you don't really get like, their relationship seems fine. You don't really know too much about the history with the dad. He seems emotionally like very steady, like, and calm all the time. Like no moments of like rage or anything like that. There was no like darkness there in their relationship. Um, so yeah, that totally could be, be the case. I, I, that totally applies to me. I also feel like he, he seemed a little, and I'm judging this just based on his actions. Like he seemed a little distant, you know, to not be sensitive to his kids. You know, I mean, look at the end of the day, right. The mother killed herself, right. He's like, I'm planning on marrying this, this younger lady. Mm. Like to, to kind of put the brakes on shit a little bit, I think would have been like, um, the proper thing to do and the more diligent thing would be to like, all right, look, my kids are traumatized. You know, this is like a bad time for everybody. Let me, let me just ease up on this whole thing. You know what I mean? Instead of forcing them to fucking be in this isolated cabin in the middle of nowhere together. Right. And oh, they, yeah. Let's discover ourselves out here in the middle of the woods, you know? Yeah. And like, they clearly don't know her too well. No. So in the months from the suicide to the lodge, like, how much time were they really spending with Grace? Where, who were they spending the time with? Who was watching? Because the dad is still obviously seeing her. Yeah. 
like you, you, you kind of wonder maybe he can't deal with their grief and you know, the babysitters are watching them. I don't know. Like it's all kind of, I feel intentionally vague. Yeah. And, and I don't know maybe it's just me, but I feel like he didn't even miss a step with the suicide of the mother. Really? You know what I mean? It just was yeah, like, yeah, an like, event that happened and he just kept trucking, you know? Yeah, totally. I got, I think, yeah, I mentioned he didn't seem all that upset at the funeral and, you know, his, his daughter's crying. He's just even keel throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So, yeah, but he was, I, I blame the whole downfall of the whole family squarely on him. <laughs> and his own, his own death, his own murder. <laughs> he deserved it. He deserved to die. <laughs> well, yeah, he did a stupid thing and like, God, you wonder in that moment if he was like, oh, I fucked up. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was probably like his last thought, I would imagine. Yeah. But, <laughs> um, all right, so final grade, what, what do you give The Lodge? Dude, I gave it a five out of five, man. Nice. I'm a little bit lower with you, four and a half for me. Cool. But uh, this is on my top ten of the year for sure. And if we're just talking strictly horror movies, yeah. top five. Yeah, totally, man. I, the reason why really, I, I really gave good. it such a high grade is because I, I can't stop thinking about what the fuck actually happened in the movie, too. You know, it's like, like yeah. I said, there's all these little things in there. And it's like, have you read anyone else's interpretations? I think I'm going to read someone else's interpretation of what went on, too. I, I'm going to now after we, we, we've done this because I, I just wanted to, you know, I read a few reviews, other people's opinions about the movie and took yeah. notes. But no, I, I, I'd like to read other theories about this movie for sure. Cause it's, it doesn't seem maybe as black and white as I think it is. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Yeah, I, I just like, uh, there's certain, like I said, there, if it wasn't for those couple of things that I, that, I, that I mentioned, I would be like, yeah, okay, yeah, they, this is all just like consequences for them like playing around with this lady, you know, but... But it's I can't I'm still hung up on the photograph. You yeah, know what I mean, like that's like a pretty. I mean, I know kids are really advanced these days, but it's like <laughs> uh, that. That to me, when I saw that, I was like, "Oh shit, we're in like some some ghost world now," you know. Right. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna read up on it. it's a movie that really. I mean, it stays with you. Yeah. And. Uh, it's funny, man. People got opinions about this movie. A lot of people, a lot of my friends didn't like it. Really? Why? I don't know. They were just like, I don't know. It was kind of, kind of stupid. <laughs> man, I got a very different take than you. Yeah. Um, um, I think a lot of people found it slow. and Yeah. But I don't know, man. This is like the kind of horror movie I love. Isolated, small cast, yep. cold, creepy atmosphere, and a devastating ending. It's Nothing. almost perfect. But just a few little things, you know, yeah. stopped it from being a five for me. But great movie. And I love that Riley Keough is, like, becoming this kind of horror, like, you know, like, lady, like, female actress who's, like, in these movies. You know what I mean? Did you know she's related to Elvis Presley? Yep, I did. I Once I became aware of her fully, I started, uh, you know, like, kind of finding out about a lot of things about her. You know, like, what her... Uh, you know, what grocery store she shops in at what time of day. <laughs> no, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but yeah, oh, I'm, aware, uh, I'm aware of her connection to Elvis Presley, definitely. I, I, I wasn't, and it was like, oh, I was like, is this like bullshit? Like, you know, because sometimes you read things on IMDb, uh, IMDb trivia, yeah. and it's clearly someone just wrote it and just making shit up. I find that stuff hilarious. So I didn't know if that was actually true, but yeah, it turns out it is. It's that's crazy. There's absolutely no resemblance. No, nah, not really. But you know, it is what it is, man. But it's she's uh, in the in a celebrity family, I guess. You know, part of the part of the. Uh, I'm celebrity. sure. I'm sure the king is very proud of her. Dude, she's a, a very good actress, he's and she's great. At, he's looking down from heaven. The king. <laughs> the king. Hey, that's my granddaughter showing her titties in a movie. Uh, worst Elvis impression ever. <laughs> she, uh, she, oh, she is always naked in in the movies that she's in. What else was she in? She was in I, the, I know the House of Jack Built. The House of Jack Built, your favorite movie, man. That's it's like one of your favorite right. movies. Told me. She's got uh, one of my top ten. Yeah. yeah, she's got blonde hair in that movie. That's right. And um, she gets felt up by Matt Dillon. 
with it. You know. That's just one of the more unsettling scenes in a movie I've ever seen. <laughs> it's like, I agree that it's very unsettling, but it's also uh, knowing a little bit about Lars von Trier. It's like, of course, like <laughs> it was so over the top and so misogynistic that you actually had to see some humor in it too. Oh God. I mean, that whole movie is filled <laughs> with like moments you shouldn't be like the whole scene where he kills that lady at her house and then there's the cop to find yeah. <laughs> a, a bit like that whole scene is horrific, but you can't help but like laugh at the comedy in it. Totally. You know, and, and he talks, it, it just seemed like, like that he made this film because he's like, Oh, well you guys think I'm bad. You guys think that that was bad, but you saw in these other movies, wait till you see this new movie I made, you know? And it yeah. was like such like a, like a button pusher. That's, you know what I mean? So you got to give him props for that. Totally. I feel like Lars von Trier is always giving everyone the finger when he makes a movie. I like some of his movies better than others, but um, I'm, I'm a fan. Me too. I'm a fan. Definitely. Yeah, I really, I loved Antichrist. Uh, I loved Melancholia. I love the House of Jack Bill. I really hated those Nymphomaniac movies. I didn't dig those either. There's total shock value nonsense. Yeah. Dumb. I, I really hated it. Some of his earlier stuff is, 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 is fine. That Bjork movie, Dancer in the Dark, I mean, it was a good movie. I will never watch it again. Yeah, it's too, too, that's too heavy. That it's too much. Yeah. 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 He, he, he tortures the audience as much as he does his actors, for sure. Melancholia is uh, probably one of my favorites, actually. It's, um, that, you know, just, just uh, you know, cosmic disasters like that. Is, oh, that's something I'm just morbidly fascinated with. So Me too. That movie fed right into, like, my own paranoias and fears. And, you know, I was like, I thought, and I also just thought it was, like, a really good movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um I, I got to revisit that one. It, it, it's been a while. It was, uh, I think it was on the list of things for me to watch this October, but that I didn't get to it. Yeah. I got, uh, I have the Blu-ray of that movie. Nice. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh, you don't say like, you don't see Keith or Sutherland in too many good movies. <laughs> Actually, I think that might've been the last movie he was even in. Honestly, I don't, I can't remember seeing him in anything since then. Yeah. I mean, he does the TV. I mean, 24, I think was, during and after that, I, really? I don't, I've never watched that show. Wow. I think so. I feel like 24, 24 was, like was 2007 or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Isn't that when this came out? When did Melancholia yeah. come out? Uh, Melancholia came out and like, I, dude, I, you know what? It could have. I don't know. Time is like such a, time is a flattened circle. It's like such a fucking <laughs> crazy, I, time, especially this year, time is moving at such a bizarre pace and now that I'm an, I'm an old man, 10 years goes by like a year. And maybe this, maybe this did come, back, come out back then. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, a lot of people are talking about how 2020 is the longest years of their life. But honestly, it, March feels like it was a month ago. Yeah, I agree. For me. When, when you look you know, at how much has changed... It seems like a long time ago, but it all changed. Like we were talking about before we started recording, and, and like things change, like they just flipped a switch. But this year has flown by, and but but still, it's like long and short. You know, it's like two things at once. It's like this weird paradox. You know, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's been strange, and we should point out by the time this episode comes out, the election will have happened, and. <laughs> <laughs> who knows <laughs> well hopefully you guys are able to listen to this episode that there isn't like you know martial law or um all of the utilities are are down and we can't communicate with each other or you know there isn't like uh you know some sort of like takeover of the government or whatever so yeah <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think we have too much to worry about but you know we'll see if you know 2020 has been an unpredictable year. Well, I do feel like we're in like a pretty crucial part of history, though, honestly. You know, this is something that's oh, going to be written about in, in history books, if there are such a thing as a history book after this administration. But, um, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, th I do believe that this is like a very, 
um, notable time in in our history. So, you know, hopefully we make it through. Oh, absolutely. And that's it, man. So, right. yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And, um, yeah, you know, just we never we never mentioned this stuff, but it's like you can check us out on Apple Music, <laughs> uh, Spotify now, um, Amazon. Uh, I guess Amazon has a platform for uh, podcasting, which we've been added to. And um, YouTube and, you know, pretty much wherever you enjoy uh, streaming media, you can check us out. So follow us on uh, Instagram, Necromaniacs. Follow us on Facebook. And by all means, feel free to contact us on any of those platforms. Uh, we got a bunch of you know good stuff happening in the future. Um, we're going to be launching a Patreon probably after the first of the year with uh, tons of um, of uh, you know member content that'll be available for everyone, like bonus episodes, things like that. And uh, yeah, so thanks for all the support. Uh, I feel like we're uh, stepping into the new era of this show, and um, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it's it's going to get better as it goes along. I'm still new to this. Um, this has been one of the few bright spots of of the last year of this whole pandemic is, is getting to do this. You know, talking to my friends about movies this is what we would be doing if we were hanging out in person anyway. Well, the cool thing is that you know. If we all, if everything goes hopefully better in 2021, we will be doing this a couple times at least, you know, in person when you come out east or I go out west. Absolutely. I mean, I was supposed to be home this October. I, you know, I was going to go in um, April, I think. And obviously that shit the bed, but I was like, it'll be fine by October. <laughs> and here we are. I'm thinking, okay, next October. You know what's crazy too, man, is um, I guess the Salem Horror Festival happened. Did it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go. I was really, pl- I was like, when I went last year, right, I was, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go for two, for three days. I'm like, that should be plenty, three days. Man, yeah. I was like, when I was there, I couldn't even get to everything I wanted to see. And I was like, man, next year I got to go for a week. So it was my intention to, you know, book a hotel in advance and, you know, get the tickets in advance. As soon as the tickets went on sale, I was going to get everything sorted out. And then right around, that was going to make all that, those arrangements right around the time the pandemic happened. And I was like, oh shit, I better hold off on this stuff. Yeah. But, but they did have it though. They had, they had the festival and, you know, not, not a lot of people turned out for it, but they still had it. So. Well, you know, it's a personal decision. And yeah. I certainly don't begrudge anyone who wants to go out and do something. But, you know, you just got to maybe think, is it safe for me and the people around me? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the guy who runs that is is a, a very liberal guy. It's not like, you know, some right-wing nut job is <laughs> <laughs> running, yeah. running the horror festival. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, I, so I'm assuming that they limited everything and all that kind of stuff. So I don't, I don't know, but I, I didn't, the fact that I didn't go, I didn't even really pay too much attention to what actually went on there. I was like, Oh, it's still happening, but you know, I'm not going to be there. And I really like my responsibility dictated that I didn't want to, I wouldn't go. So I didn't really check into it or anything. Yeah. Well, hopefully next October things will be in full swing and you know, you, Mike and I can sit down and talk about um, Halloween Kills like, like, like we planned on it this yeah, year. Totally. Yeah. All right, everyone. So thanks for listening. And uh, we'll get at you guys next week. Take care. Take care. Take care.